you want to get involved in this, now is always the best time. Today is the best day to plant a tree because the world's going to change a lot in the next five or 10 years. The Hong Kong bank account you might get today, you won't get a year from now. Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. All right. Global from Asia, episode 178. How you doing, Claire? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. It's Friday end of day as we record our intro for this week's coming show. And we are also feeling like event planners. There's like so many amazing events coming up. We have uh, TechCrunch Disrupt coming to Shenzhen, China, and we also have Rise coming in July. So it's just going to be an amazing couple of months. And Global From Asia has gotten the opportunity to have some pretty cool side events and other, other activities happening during it. Uh, during these both of these conferences. So if you guys are in town for either of these massive conferences, don't forget to check our events page. We're working hard on adding more amazing events for those that are coming out to the region. So Clara, what's, how can people find out? Or we'll link on the show notes, but what's what's going on with you? You excited about these events? Yeah, I'm really excited. So the link is uh, expert.globalfromasia.com. Yep. So we we made my buddy Chris Morey listens to the show and he says, I love subdomains, but yeah, we got experts.globalfromasia.com. It's just easier if you're technical, I think, to manage different servers and uh, we have different team members. So we actually have a new guy on the team, Andrew Voda. He's uh, interning for the summer in June and July. He's up in Nanjing, China. He's going to be heading up the experts platform and people are already contacting us to organize events in Florida in Vietnam, in Australia, we're talking to some people and some other places. So it's not just for us, it's also for you guys. If you guys want to help spread the Global From Asia word or in your region, we'd love to help you organize and we can list it up on the experts platform. All right. And what's your plan this weekend, Claire? Um, just going to, I think there's an event called like Keepies or something. <laughs> yeah, Hit Crunch. I, they're uh they're uh yeah we're media for them so it'll be great and it's this saturday so um it's kind of a mix of hippies and like creativity and technology i think that's where the hit comes from what about you? for me i'm i'm just a busy dad um i wanted to go to that conference but uh it's weekend time so family time i will be i don't know i've kind of let my wife control my weekends now it seems <laughs> sounds nice it's nice sometimes. I get my mornings to write blogs for Global From Asia and then afternoons I'm kind of at the mercy of the family. But uh, <laughs> cracking up over here. All right. And uh, last week it was Miles' birthday. We had uh, Peppa the Pig and Thomas the Train birthday cake. So there was like a train literally going around the cake as it was uh, as the candles were there. And there was pigs on the top of Peppa the Pig. So... Miles is really well taken care of here. Yeah, I think Miles loves train a lot. Yeah, he loves trains. We're like surrounded by these trains and he's always screaming train. I have to get him on an interview sometime about trains. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Okay. And now for this week's show, we have with us the founder of Nomad Capitalist, Andrew Henderson. He also came into town for the Cross-Border Summit last month or well, back in April now, and uh, was really well-received speaker and shared a lot of great information. So we have him on the show. For those of you guys who don't know Nomad Capitalist, it's all about kind of like not being 
trapped to be where you were born for your taxes or Claire, what do you say? It's like a global citizen. I think that's uh, his topic of a uh, cross-border summit. Yeah, so it's being a citizen of the world. And, you know, I think Global Asia kind of hints about this too in some of our topics, but he's purely focused on, you know, residency and going where people, where countries are welcoming you, not not being stuck where you're you're born just because of that. So we, we share more into that and talk a little bit about some things you learned from his father, the five magic words, citizenships, renouncing citizenships, passports, all this fun stuff, governments. It's a pretty wild conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy and let's dig in. Yeah, sure. Thank you everybody for tuning in to another Global from Asia podcast. We are post cross-border summit and it's just a few days off after the conference and we have with us one of our most popular speakers, Andrew Henderson from Nomad Capitalist. Thank you for being here, Andrew. Mike, great to be with you. Great to be with your uh, folks at the summit as well. It was a, a great time and really a, a tremendous event. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a, you had said uh, you hadn't been over to Shenzhen, China for you said six years, right? Yeah, you know, I, I, I used to spend so much time in China and lately, you know, I've been going a lot of other places and doing a lot of other things. It's it's amazing to think that it's been six years since I've been in Shenzhen, I think five years since I was in Guangzhou. Now I'm in Beijing. It's been a long time since I was here and uh, there's so much going on and you practically don't recognize parts of these cities. So, uh, you know, global from Asia, more important than ever before, um, especially in China. Totally, totally, great. So you, you're what? What are you doing on, on this in, back in Asia or back in China? Any any specific agenda, banking or 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 pleasure or both? Yeah, you know, I mean, what what I uh, try and do at Nomad Capitalist is is uh, is some folks know an extension of of what I personally as Andrew do. Uh, and, you know, for the last 10 years, I've been trying to find the best places to live and do business and bank and run my company and all that. And so uh, I'm back in Asia for about a month. Um, I was in Mongolia, kind of checking that out. What are the opportunities, both on the personal side? Can I become a Mongolian resident? Uh, can I bank in Mongolia? Um, as well as what are the investments? Uh, in Hong Kong, talking to banks, doing the company work, getting that stuff done. Singapore, same kind of deal, meeting with new bankers, forging new relationships. And then uh, speaking at your conference, had a great time and, and now kind of kicking off uh, the end of the month, just kind of relaxing a little bit. I think I missed one country in there somewhere that I went, but uh, uh, oh, and signing for uh, signing a real estate deal I'm doing in Asia, had to sign for that. So, um, you know, I think that um, you know, the way that we live our lives as, as nomad capitalists and folks in your audience is a little bit of pleasure mixed with running our business, mixed with making investments that create wealth, mixed with maintaining it all and looking for the next great place. Very cool. So, yeah, how did you get started? I, I liked your speech a lot at the conference and I'm maybe going to use parts of what I learned there and, and what I know about you already. Uh, how did you kind of get into this whole whole nomad capitalist, like your name, you know, uh, lifestyle. Yeah. You know, uh, it's funny because right around the time the book called Digital Nomad came out, I think a year before that, that was 1997 that that book came out. And 
it was widely ignored, this idea of people are going to live and work around the world. Everyone scoffed. And the year before that, I was 12 years old. My father and I were talking and he said, you know, he saw some of these trends coming. He saw that the United States would be less significant. He saw that the Western economies would be less competitive. There'd be less money in the West, more opportunity in the East in places where you are, like Asia and China. Uh, and he said, Andrew, you know, don't feel like you have to stay here just because you're born here, just because your parents are here. You have to go where you're treated best. And it's been those five magic words, I call them, that have really defined what I do, which is, as I said, looking for the best places to do everything. And what I adapted from what he told me was that that's not just one place. You know, we're in China and we have trouble getting on Facebook and stuff like that. Uh, yet China offers other great opportunities. So, Maybe it's a place to live. China's not for everybody. It's a place to do other things. It may be a great place. And so there's not one great place. In every aspect of my life, I was determined to go where I was treated best. And that really came to light about 10 years ago when I was in the U.S. and running a business uh, after uh, you know, basically flunking out of college. And I was 19, 20 years old, and it was starting to take off. I was making a couple hundred grand a year. And then I got hit with a tax bill. And I always knew about, you know, taxes and I always grew up kind of saying we should have lower taxes, but you don't really understand it until you, you see, yeah, I owe $75,000. It's right there. There's, you know, it's my $75,000 now. It's not theoretical. It's my money. It's in my bank account. And now I have to pay it. And I went back to go where you're treated best. And I said, where can I go and pay less tax? Where can I go and have a better bank? Where can I go and enjoy life more? you know, meet, you know, women who are great and, you know, who like the fact that I run a business at 21, which was difficult for me. Um, and so it's kind of been a 10 year journey ever since. Very, very cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, the hard part though, would you say is keeping up with the changes? I would say, I mean, for those listeners that have, you know, there's this is overwhelming amount of information that, you know, you're sharing on your channels and I'm sharing and, I don't know if you have a good solution for, you know, keeping on top of where to stay treated best. Or, I mean, I guess it's, it's like kind of evolving, right? Would you say? Well, that's the nomad part. And it was fun to go to Mongolia and see the history of Mongolia, obviously a very nomadic culture where people go to where the food is. They go to where the conditions are the best. And people look at my schedule sometimes and they see, um, you know, 14 countries in two months. And they think that that's the nomad. No, uh, I look at myself as the chief nomad. And there may be guys who are in your position who say, you know what, I'm going to be based in Shenzhen, China, and I'll travel from there and I'll run my business. But I'm not going to go to 14 countries in two months or 32 in a year. And that's okay. The nomad part is keeping up with the trends that when you're on part of the Mongolian steppe, when you're on the prairie and there's no more food, you got to move. And so what I try and do with people I work with personally is say, let's think ahead five years. Let's observe the trends that I see, i.e. that offshore banks are becoming more and more difficult to deal with. Traditional offshore, like in Belize, Mauritius, Seychelles. I think that those banks are going the way of the dodo bird. So let's stay away from that. Let's, you know, go to places where the traditional 
trajectory is up. And so that's really the way I look at things is which direction are things going? Is it becoming easier and more competitive and more friendly and more business friendly and more wealth friendly? Or is it going the other direction? And yeah, there are some places like Hong Kong that are still super wealth friendly, super, super business friendly, but they're kind of slowly trending in the wrong direction because it's hard to open bank accounts in Hong Kong. And mm -hmm. so how do you keep up? I mean, you know, I, there's two ways. There's the way that I've done for 10 years, which is kind of going out there and just doing it. And I've spent a, a little over a million dollars investing in resources and trainings and meeting people and lawyers and everything else. Um, you know, obviously I offer a service to a very small number of folks who, who want to kind of figure out, Hey, how do I set this up to work for the next five to 10 years? But sure, I mean, when you decide, I don't want to pay taxes legally, I want to bank offshore legally, I think that obviously some things are going to change. By the way, some things are going to change in your home country. You know, banks in the United States come and go. Uh, think, you know, tax laws in the United States change. So there's this idea mm -hmm. that if I just stay where I'm at, nothing will change. No, you're just more used to it. You're just more used to the fact that the United States is your home, and so therefore the tax law changes, and you just deal with it. Things are going to change, but I think that if you set things up the right way to begin with, not only will you be grandfathered into, for example, that Hong Kong bank account that now someone else can't get, but you'll have a plan that works for the next five or ten years if you do it right. And in my case, I do more things right when I hire people to help me in each particular country or when I hire someone to help me overall. Very cool. Yeah, I like that answer. It's, it's true, right? People people forget that even if you stay exactly where you are, it's drastic changes and they have to adapt even if they're staying where they already are. So um, I think that's that's really good perspective. Uh, maybe just let's dig into these five words. I, 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 I learned too, you know, go where you're treated best. How did, how did you come? How did that, was that from your dad, you said, or how did you come up with that? You know, I, I don't think, you know, these are the five magic words. I don't think it was a witting thing. I mean, as I said, my, I grew up in a family of, uh, you know, with a, with a dad who was a media guy and also a financial guy, had his, had his own kind of business in the financial markets. And, you know, he was kind of just interested in, you know, where's the world going? Because when I was born in 1984, when you were born, um, I, I would say when he was born, the United States was like number one best place to be born. Maybe West Germany or something was up there too. But he was studying and saying, wow, the trajectory that I mentioned, it's going in the wrong way. And he just said, you know, go where you're treated best. You know, you deserve it. And it kind of, I don't know, it just hung in my head. And I think he repeated it a couple of times at different points, but it was never like, this is the ethos. It's just, hey, this is the order of nature. You know, what's not natural, Michael, is um, for us to be slaves to one place and just to go along with everything that happens there. It's natural to say, give me the best of everything. Um, but for some reason, we don't do that when it comes to a country. We say, well, yeah, I know that U.S. banks are pretty unstable, but, you know, so be it. That's my lot in life. And then we kind of cover it up with the patriotism where it's like, uh, well, it's still the best country in the world. Well, subjectively to you, maybe it can be, and that's okay. But to say that you can't be patriotic about the United States, but bank in Singapore where conditions are better or bank in Hong Kong where they have so much money they don't know what to do with, it's so safe. 
Um, I don't understand that. So it was my dad's idea based on a simple kind of binary decision. Is each place in the world going up in fortune or going down? And I think he saw that what we know, the United States and other Western countries are going down. The trajectory of wealth is headed back uh, to Asia. Uh, it peaked kind of somewhere over London. It started in China 2000 years ago. It kind of peaked in London and now it's moving back and it's somewhere over like Belarus, uh, moving back towards China and back towards Asia. And why not, you know, why not back a winner, right? Well, one more thing I'll say is I grew up in Cleveland, Michael. You know, last year, Cleveland won the first sports championship yeah, in 52 yeah. years. And then they proceeded to lose the next one that was, they should, they should have won. Like they came right up to the edge and then they lost. Cleveland sports teams are experts at clutching defeat from the jaws of victory. And so you can like Cleveland sports teams because it makes you feel good to root for the home team. But I guarantee you, nobody in Venezuela is sitting around supporting Cleveland teams. They like the Yankees. They like the Dodgers. They like the Red Sox. Nobody's sitting around saying, I love the Cleveland Browns because they want to support a win. They want to choose a winner. We should choose winners. Mm -hmm. True, true. I get fired up about uh, this, Mike. I sometimes get in trouble by my... Yeah, this is good. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't think my <laughs> parents listen to my podcast. So I think it's... But yeah, my, my mom doesn't uh, doesn't agree with a lot of what we, we feel. I mean, thinks that I'm in debt to America because I was born there. And, and uh, yeah, I think, I think a lot of times it's just society kind of programs... It's people, right? Whether it's especially in China too, right? Or in America, or I think every country's job, I think, is like you said, patriotism, which is actually kind of like propaganda, <laughs> or you know, trying to basically program its people to follow what they say and do what the government says to do. I think that's, you know, uh, I'm reading a crazy book right now. It's like a out of out of print book. I think they just republished it. It says how I found freedom in an unfree world. It was written in like 1974. Um, but yeah, I mean, society and a lot of these things try to make us feel like we're being selfish because we're taking care, you know, of what's best for ourselves. And, and, uh, and maybe if we have a family or if for me, I have a family. So it's, it's, I don't know what you're, you know, I'm sure you can get fired up about what I, you've probably got a lot to say about what I, I just gave you a few different things uh you know how do you yeah i mean how do you deal with these people that are very patriotic i guess we just gotta ignore them or i mean can't ignore them but well you know it's a great book you mentioned and harry brown who wrote that book was you know he ran for president and was a real oh, that you know, was libertarian brown, figure yeah. and it's a great book great book and you know here's how i look at it you're right uh it's kind of indoctrinated it into you i i started writing about five years ago about how i like small countries Look at Hong Kong, look at Singapore, look at Georgia. I'm a big Georgia. I think Georgia is one of the next places in five, 10, 20 years. That's a place to look at. Uh, and I'm a big fan of Georgia uh, and other small countries. When I go to look at, whenever we go through and we do a big research team push to look at bank accounts or look at other stuff, we start in small countries because they have less of that. They have less of a thing to protect. They have less of the infrastructure to put the propaganda out. And so I like the idea of small countries. Um, but to your point of how do you change people, I think the answer is you don't. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time in my life at various times, including when I was first getting into this stuff, being frustrated. And I remember back in 2010 was really the push that said, you know, I was kind of dabbling in like, where can I bank, where can I do this? 
I was, I was engaged and I was engaged to someone who's Chinese and they made her life so difficult in terms of moving to the United States. And I said, you know, this is not going mm. where you're treated best. It really kind of, that was the breakthrough moment for me in saying, I'm a citizen. I was born in this country and I can't even be with someone. Uh, they make their life so difficult and they're so rude and it's just very unpleasant. I said, this is not really the right, this is not a comfortable fit for me. And so, you know, for me, it was saying, I don't want to be treated that way. If someone accepts the way they're being treated, you know, I have occasionally guys come to me and, and I help them gain the clarity of saying, it sounds like you like where you're living. It sounds like you like living in San Francisco. It sounds like you don't mind paying the taxes. It sounds like you feel comfortable being a U.S. citizen and a U.S. citizen only. feels like you feel comfortable investing in Airbnbs in Las Vegas. Um, and that's okay. And I don't want to go back to the angry days of being frustrated uh, that my ex was harassed. You know, it is frustrating, but I want to focus on how to build my business. I want to focus on how to create wealth. I want to focus on how to live a freedom lifestyle. And people talk about freedom, but freedom of mind is so important that we're not cluttering our mind with anger because if we focus on anger, we get it. If we focus on negativity, we get it. My greatest success is in getting passports and, and investing and making great deals and accomplishing stuff have been when I am not focused on the anger. So I say, if someone comes to me at Nomad Capitalist and they're saying, I'm pretty happy, but tell me why I should get a second passport. I say, it can't come from me telling you what you need it. It needs to come from you saying, I want lower taxes because here's what I'll do with the money. I want a second passport because here's how that'll help me. I want to invest overseas because here's how that'll help my net worth. If you don't feel it, I can't sell you on it. And I don't want to sell people on it because it's not for everybody. Good point, good point. So talking about talking about passports and maybe people that are already convinced, uh, you know, I think especially for Americans, this can be very emotional. You know, the, I think, you know, Olivier Wagner, he's been on the show a while back and, uh, talking about renouncing. And I honestly got emotional. I, I maybe I'm a little bit too of an emotional person, but, uh, you know, is it, is it an emotional, emotional thing you would say getting, well, I mean, I guess there's one, there's two parts, right? There's getting passports and then renouncing passports. You maybe don't want, maybe if you want to share some emotions that people have yeah. gone through or maybe dealing with them or, or are with your, within your business. I, you know, I look at it like this. I look at it as a business decision that if you want to renounce, and for most people, it's the U S I do think that there will be some other countries in the future as the rise of digital nomads continues. Some other Western country will implement U.S.-style global taxation because it'll become too difficult for them to police all the nomads who are coming and going. And they'll just throw their hands up and say, let's institute this. So for right now, U.S. citizens, the ones who talk about renouncing in our lifetime, there will be others, I think. Um, but I think that working with two guys who are doing it right now, um, they made a decision. They thought about it. They dealt with the emotions. And once you decide, you can't look back. I mean, that's one thing that I've done in my life that served me well is I don't look back. I don't regret. Um, and I think you have to go in knowing that the worst case scenario is you're not going to go back to the United States. It may be unlikely, but you know, if, if more guys like Trump are in charge, maybe they'll change it to say you're not welcome if you renounce. Um, but that said, I'll tell you where the clarity comes from, uh, Michael, is Back when I, I'll tell you, my, my angriest and kind of all that was before I had a lot of the puzzle pieces in place. Now that I have the second citizenship, so I can look and I can say, you know, let me look at this objectively. We are emotional coming from the United States. You know, you go to parts of Eastern Europe where I hire people. They're, they're tough. They're steely. 
They're tough. You know, we're not as tough. We're very emotional. We cry on television. You watch Shark Tank. Every episode, someone's crying now. You know, we're emotional people. And you know what? I may not necessarily identify as an American in all ways, but I can identify that, yeah, I have feelings about it. And even though I don't love the country in a great way, the way some other people do, I understand it's where I'm from. And now that I have the other passports, I can remove the anger. I can say, what do I want to do from a business perspective? And right now, the U.S. passport serves me particularly relatively well. I have a lot of compliance costs every year. But being a U.S. citizen sometimes has helped me out in situations. I had some uh, a better situation with a bank recently where I was able to be treated much better than I would have been as one of the other citizenships because Americans are still trusted. So, um, you know, if, if for someone who's an employee or running a $20 million business, U.S. citizenship may want to be renounced. But I think that some people who aren't at the position where they have the clarity yet talk a lot about these existential concepts – do you need to renounce? I say, get to the point where you can get the second passport and then say, do I need to? And for me, I paid about 1% of my income in tax last year. None of it went to the United States. So I'm not in a rush just to avoid the compliance uh, to give up that passport. I've been able to structure my affairs in a way where there's a few things that I wish I could do, but I don't, but it's not worth right now making that change. I'm assessing it once a year. There may come a time, and I think that there will, when I say, now it's time to make the change. But I think that the clarity really comes from being able to do something. You know, you know, it's, it's like saying, if only if I were dating a Victoria's Secret model, here's what I would do. Well, how about you do it and then figure out what happens once you're there? You know, I think it's the same kind of thing. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's good to go out and get one. If you're a U.S. citizen, if you're a Western citizen, I think it's a very important insurance policy to have. Get it. And then, as I say, go as far as you can see and see further deal with the decision then once you have all the puzzle pieces in place yeah that makes sense so so that's 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 great so maybe some of your trends you've been seeing i remember following you on facebook during the trump elections and your spike in traffic you know for people searching online and and the canadian uh the canadian uh you know immigration site crashed then to uh some other things were happening uh, it's, you know, Trump's been around a few months now, more than that. Uh, what's, what's been happening, you know, from the data you're seeing, uh, you know, just maybe globally, but maybe if you want to, you know, just what you're seeing. Well, you know, we have 4 million people a year that come to our site. And I think that makes us by most people's standards, the number one site for this stuff. So it's exciting that it's growing in a way that 4 million people wouldn't have been looking at this stuff 10 years ago. Um, but you know, included in that is, when Brexit happens, when Trump gets elected, when something crazy in India happens uh, and other events around the world, we do have spikes in traffic. We'll see when if Marine Le Pen gets elected, are people going to be afraid that their French passport will no longer be part of the EU? Here's what I found in that. We had, I mean, my gosh, maybe 100,000 extra people come to our site after Trump gets elected. And that's just kind of a spitball number. And we had I think probably thousands of extra applications. Normally every month I get like 3000 people who apply to, you know, work with me personally. I take on five of them. Um, and we must've had double that month, um, from people just going and saying, Holy cow, I need a solution. And you know what? It didn't do a single thing for me because those are the people who were being emotional, whether it's Brexit, Trump, whatever, they don't really want to fix anything. And, and I know where they're at because I've been the complainer who doesn't do as much. 
removing the anger, removing the frustration is the biggest path to action and actually getting this stuff done so that you can get the end result that you want. These people don't want to leave the United States. They don't want a second passport. It's an outlet for their emotions because not one of them said they're willing to invest in the process. Well, I can tell you, Mike, I mean, if you don't invest time and if you don't invest money, you've got nothing, you know, you've got nothing. So the trend that I see is a lot of people are being worried, but what's different from China, Russia, the Arab world, et cetera, is those people generally approach it with the decision process that I talked about. It's a business decision. They sit down, they think about it, they work through the emotions, and then they say, am I willing to pay 100000 for a second passport? Am I willing to go and live somewhere else and become a citizen in five years? You know, What's the best path? Whereas those of us in the West who I think get a little spoiled, we just kind of freak out and whine and complain and don't do anything about it. And so the people who are frustrated that Trump got elected aren't the people that I work with that want to lower their taxes. They want to go and live in Canada and also pay high taxes. And so I think that, again, having the clarity of why are you really doing this is important. In terms of trends, you know, I think that it's becoming harder. More countries, banks like Hong Kong, we talked about at your summit, are becoming more difficult to deal with. So I think that the trend that I see is if you want to get involved in this, now is always the best time. Now is today is the best day to plant a tree because... Um, you know, the Hong Kong bank account, you might get today, you won't get a year from now. And building those tunnels, as I call them, gives you the options later in life. So even if you don't have a lot of taxes to save right now, even if you're not ready for a second passport, I think that putting the roots in place is important because the world's going to change a lot in the next five or 10 years. And I think that immigration banking is going to be a lot more difficult. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I mean, even a year ago, it was about a year ago, I think, when uh, at least my life changed. I was pretty heavy on Hong Kong banks with a lot of listeners. And uh, I've really gotten a lot more pressure because the banking situation in Hong Kong is a big, big nightmare now. So uh, it's still, still, there's still some ways, but it's nothing like even a year ago. So I agree with you. I think it's just going to get harder the longer people wait. Um, so um, yeah, because here, here's, another, here's another trend, Michael, is, yeah. is, is big institutions are going to be a pain. B- pardon me, but I mean, big institutions, HSBC, I did a video, worst bank on planet earth. Don't, I would, I mean, people, Andrew, I want to get it. No, don't go to HSBC. Um, I just, I've, I've, every time I go there, I just, I've, I close my final personal account in Hong Kong. What do I know? Two, two white guys on each side of me. Uh, you froze my business account. What do I have to do? I got to pay my employees. I got to pay people. So big countries, big institutions are going to become increasingly more difficult to deal with. And so you need to find the places that are, again, that are heading up. That's the trend is, you know, um, people are freaking out. And so you need to find the people in the places that aren't freaking out. Yeah, this is great. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Andrew. I, I know you're, you're both, you're both busy guys. So maybe getting, wrapping up, uh, what are, what are some things you're working on now at Nomad Capitalist and how can people engage with you and, and your, and your website? Uh, nomadcapitalist.com is the website. I'm still doing a lot of, uh, blogs and YouTube videos and putting a lot of content out there. But really what I'm trying to do right now is just kind of share with people more and more what I'm doing. There are a few, a few things I keep to myself for my own, um, you know, privacy, uh, benefits, but, uh, I try and put out as much as I can about the passports and how I'm using my passports and where I'm investing and how I'm doing it. 
And, uh, you know, uh, I'm investing in Georgia. I'm investing more at a lifestyle level in Malaysia. Um, we're starting a couple of new companies. We're starting a couple of new online businesses and really, um, doing a lot of hiring in Eastern Europe. So, I mean, there's a lot going on. And what I tell people is, I mean, you know, it's taken me 10 years to get here. It shouldn't have. I could have done it more quickly had I been willing to engage the right people for help earlier on, as I do now. But if someone wants some help, they can go to Nomad Capitalist. And, and as I said, we take on a, a couple people a month that I um, want to help, namely Americans, Canadians, Australian guys who, uh, you know, want to kind of figure out the whole picture. Obviously, there's guys who they know how to get a Dominica passport and they don't know how it works with anything else. But what we try and do is tax plus residency and citizenship plus investments plus lifestyle. How does it all work together? Um, and so I think that that's my perspective. If people want to kind of get some help with that, we have that offer on the website. But if someone's just kind of trying to dive in and see this whole world of offshore internationalization, um, you know, we've got, I don't know, 1500 videos and blogs and everything else to kind of just kind of get your toes wet. So, you know, if you're just getting started, get your toes wet, see if it's for you. Um, and then when you're ready, you know, get some help and just make it happen. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andrew, for sharing and enjoy your time in Beijing. Beijing is tremendous and it's, it's a great city. And I loved uh, seeing what you guys are doing in China. I mean, you've got some really great people down there and it was great to meet up and great to be in your show. Okay. Thank you, Andrew. I hope you guys in, inspired and, and motivated from that talk. I know actually Claire, Claire uh, also thinks that Global Maze is pretty related to this topic. Yeah, I think it's because I think Mike, it's kind of like a global citizen. And also I think in like, um, I think we have an episode about Tahiti. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's about, I think it's more about like a global citizen running a global business. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I, I kind of say it more on my Mike's blog, uh, on my bio, but I, I think it's a bunch of BS based on where you were born, what rights you have as an individual and what commitments you have to a certain group of countries where there's a border because there was a war thousands of years ago and people died and there's this line on this land or just, it just seems really stupid to me. And so I'm always supporting Bitcoin and I'm supporting, I, I was joking with somebody, uh, Frederick, uh, up in Shanghai about these banks. I, I, I hope these banks all go out of business because they, they're racist and, and, and it's really horrible. You know, I, I, I wish we could give opportunities and jobs to people that wanted them and could work, you know, work hard. Not and entitlement is the most, do you know what entitlement is? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you do. Okay. I don't know. It's a, it's something even I, I yeah, I learned once was I won't pick on a certain group of people, but even even citizens of, in, in anywhere in the world that never leave their own home country, they think, oh, these immigrants are coming to my country and taking my jobs. I, I, I think it's a human being is a human being. And if you're willing to work hard to earn a living for you and your family, like what what's the problem? You know, um, so we'll see how the future goes. But it's harder and harder for these governments, I think, to control their citizens and people are going where 
where, like Andrew says, where they're welcome to be. So it's a hot space and uh, Andrew's following it. And he always has a great blog with extensive posts at nomadcapitalist.com. And that's all we have for this week. Well, enjoy your weekends. Well, I shouldn't really say that, but for us, it's going to be a weekend. But enjoy your weeks here. And we have so many podcast episodes coming. I guess we'll just mention, usually I don't mention the week next week's, but next week we're going back into China business. We have Rick Tong, a friend of mine for many years. He's built a very successful GPS manufacturing OEM brand, selling to massive companies around the world, doing deals and opening offices in India and different parts of the world too. So he talks about managing technical teams and, and growing growing a business uh, around the world over 10 years. So I'm excited. Uh, and Clara, anything else to say? Um so this, if you want to listen to the this episode, you can go to www.globalfromasia.com slash episode 178. Yeah, and we'll put all the show notes and, and other things in there. Maybe also a picture of the cake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm really, you know, like uh, eager to see White Stacks because I'm happy, like, picturing it's on my mind. Okay, so we'll put Miles' birthday cake if you guys want to check it out. Uh, I know a lot of you are walking the dogs or, you know, out with the kids or in a car or something. But when you get back to your computer, globalformation.com slash episode 178. All right. See you next Tuesday. Later. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.